0: So as I said earlier, we are continuing uh, this message series of what does it mean to be uh, in the stuff. Um, and by the stuff, a lot of times we might talk about the distractions, the, the things which might get into our way of our spiritual journey. And, you know, sometimes they can be kind of trivial things, you know, like our cell phones or TV, you know, what we watch, um, the things that we do, the, you know, the things that distract us. We might um, allow that stuff to kind of get in between us and our journey with Christ. But sometimes it can be deeper. Um, it can be more powerful than just those distractions or maybe those hesitations that we might have. We have the stuff that could really get in the way of the things that we need to do to experience healing. So maybe instead of just saying, you know, what are the what's the stuff that kind of distracts us? What is the stuff that gets in our way? What is the stuff that gets in our way of things like forgiveness. Or maybe to say it a different way, what what are things, what's the stuff that maybe is put in our way that dissuades us from forgiving? And it might be things that we do ourselves, but it could also be things that are maybe done to us. So maybe in the midst of the pain that we experience or the things that we have gone through, the things that has happened to us, maybe like what oftentimes can happen during uh, grief or during hardship, is um, people can say all sorts of things. And usually they mean well, um, but it doesn't necessarily come to our ears of brokenness the way that maybe it was intended to. So maybe you've heard things um, that were said with all sincerity and all heartfeltness, but they didn't really work. Um, Certainly when you have been pained by someone and someone might say something to the effect of, well, you know, you just need to forgive and forget. Even if that's true, that might not necessarily be the most healing thing to hear um, in the moment, especially if the event, whatever it was, just happened. Because we may be thinking to ourselves and we may even say out loud, how do I do that? Forgive and forget. How do I do either of those things? And even so, why should I? Why should I forget this thing that has happened to me? And even if I can, what if I don't want to? What if I don't want to forget? And why do I not want to forget Some of these things may be happening in the story of the prodigal son. And again, for many of us, this might be a story that is well known, a story that is well loved and a story that we may find ourselves hopping from character to character, um, depending on when we read it, depending on the season, depending on how we remember what has been happening in our own lives. For me, this is one of my favorite stories, as I'm sure it is for some of us here, because it reminds us of how it is that we are forgiven. No matter how much we may mess up, no matter how far away we may wander, this is a story that reminds us that we are welcomed back. And when we finally do come back, we are reassured and we are reminded that the one who loves us most has been waiting for us to come back all along. And there's rejoicing and there's celebration and all is forgiven. And it's not even brought up, at least in that moment, because people are too busy having fun. People are too busy celebrating. People are too busy rejoicing. God is waiting for us to come home and celebrates when we do so. And so I love this picture uh, from our chapel window showing what it's like to be welcome back and showing what it's like. To be forgiven. But if I'm honest, one of the other reasons that I love this window is because I think it paints the oldest brother probably in the most powerful way that I have ever seen in any window ever. I mean, look at him. And there's a close up on the next one. I mean, imagine not being able to share this story in words, but only able to do so in pictures. There he is up in the corner in the background, smaller than everything. He's got his shovel and he's just sitting there refusing to get any bigger, refusing to get any closer. I mean, you can hear him saying, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. I've done everything that has ever been asked of me. I've been the good son. I've been the older brother. I've been the responsible one. Look, I've got my shovel. I've got the, the cow that I've been responsible for. I've been doing everything that I'm supposed to. Where's my calf? Where's my robe? Where's my party? Where is my love? I will not go in. I will not... Be a part of that. I won't go in. Many pastors uh, like Jim Harnish, for example, some of you may know that name, uh, has, has said over the years, um, don't preach from your wounds, preach from your scars. And I think that can really apply to any of us here, whether we preach or not, which is saying uh, maybe teach or speak or even live speak share teach live from your wound excuse me your scars not your wounds because we know we all know what it's like to be wounded we all know what it's like to be betrayed and we know what it's like to still live with these wounds maybe even years years later Some of us maybe even know what it's like to continue to pick at those wounds so that they never fully heal. So they stay with us. And I certainly know what that is like. I know what it's like to continue to pick at that wound. I know what it's like to refuse to let it heal because I feel like I need it. So we may say, we may feel, we may even live the phrase, I will not go in. Because if I go in, that means I have to give away. If I go in, that means that I have to give up. It means that I have to give up this hurt. I have to give up this pain. I have to give up this thing that has happened to me. And I know what it's like to live with a hurt for so long that it actually becomes a part of us. I mean, it it kind of becomes a part of our identity that we automatically think of ourselves. We think of this thing that happened to us maybe years ago and how it is that we have continued to live and, and to bring it with us. So much so that not only does it become a part of us, but it also gives us power. Because we live with this thing and we hold it over ourselves and we hold it over the world. And maybe if we're still somehow connected to the one who did it to us, we hold it over them. And because we can't forget, we don't let them forget either. And in that, this hurt gives us power. Case in point, Batman. Now, Batman, some might say, is a representation of what happens when we overcome tragedy. So if you don't know about Batman, welcome to the world. And um, Batman is really Bruce Wayne. And when he was a child, he witnessed his, his parents being killed in front of him. And he swore that he would never let that happen to anyone else again. So in order to do that, in order to fulfill that promise out of anything and everything else that he could do, because remember, Bruce Wayne is very, very rich out of everything that he could have done to prevent that, he decides to dress up as a bat. And some might say, you know, he overcomes his fear and he becomes this idealistic symbol of how it is that we can overcome and how it is that we can push through. And that's probably true. But the other thing that makes Batman maybe a timeless character is because we also have to question his true motives. So out of everything that he could have done to overcome this fear and to come out of tragedy and be a better person, he decides to represent a symbol of fear and enact violence. In one of the Batman movies, a a police officer who has discovered that um, Bruce Wayne and Batman are the same person, actually he doesn't discover it, He's, he's always known, and he finally tells Bruce Wayne this. He says, the day I saw you, I knew who you really were. Because I've experienced what you've experienced. And I know what it's like to be angry in your bones. And everybody says they understand, but eventually they expect you to move on. And you know you can't. And he says, so I learned, just like you did, to hide the anger. Just like putting on a mask. And so I practiced every day. I practiced a a smile that I could share with the world, but it was fake. How do you move on? So is Batman really this representation of how it is that we can overcome tragedy, that we can overcome uh, personal trauma, or is it just a way for us to continue to be angry? Someone who understands Batman really well is Superman. And they're pretty much opposites in terms of almost everything. And one day, uh, Superman says to Batman, You know, I love being Superman, but I hate that I have to be Superman. You hate being Batman, but you love that you have to be Batman. We may hate this thing, that happened to us. We may hate the pain that it comes from, but if we're really honest with ourselves sometimes, how much do we love that we hate it? Because it gives us a reason. We may say we hate this pain, but do we sometimes love that we have to hate it? Because eventually, this stick might seem noble at first. It might seem clean, and it might seem smooth, and it might seem efficient, and it might seem like we need it, and it might seem like we use it responsibly. But how long until it turns into something else? Because we've carried it with us for so long, and we have spent so much time thinking about it and carrying it with us over and over, day after day, month after month, year after year, and what it is that we have been doing with it. Forgiveness means letting go. And it means not even just letting go of of the pain that has happened, but letting go of the power that comes with and from that pain. And not just once. Because the reality is we don't forget. The reality is we can't forget. Forgetting has nothing to do with forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't change what happened, it doesn't make it go away. Forgiveness is a choice that we have to make again and again and again to finally say no more. No more. Forgiveness is a choice that we make every single day to not let that pain overshadow us, to not let it control us, and to not let it define who we are. Because who we are is a child of God, and yet even in that, we may still say, "I won't go in. I will never go in." And that's why God comes out. God comes out. God comes out af- out of the party. God comes out of the celebration. God comes out of the rejoicing. Out of the community, out of the kingdom, and meets us where we are, and says, You've always been welcome. Are we able to set down our hurt so that we can join the party? Are we able to set aside our stuff so that we can finally go where we belong? Because it is right to celebrate, your sibling was dead, and they're alive again. They were lost, and they have been found. Years and years ago, in the miniseries Jesus of Nazareth, the story of the prodigal son is told in a way uh, that's not the same in Scripture, and yet it still gets at the heart of the story. So. Uh, In this part, Jesus befriends Matthew, who later becomes his disciple, who is also a tax collector. And one night, Matthew invites Jesus to come to his house for a party that he's having with all of his other friends. And of course, these are people that his other disciples, who are poor fishermen, uh, don't want to have anything to do with. They can't even step foot in Matthew's house because it's such a sin to do so. And they can't believe that Jesus is willing to do that. They can't believe that he's willing to go into the house and to to uh, communicate and, and commune with such a sinful bunch of people. And they say to Peter, who's kind of the lead disciple, you know, you've got to talk some sense into Jesus. And Peter says, I don't want to. If he's going to be with Matthew, I don't want to have anything to do with any of them because I hate them all. And I won't go in. And so that night at the party, when Jesus does go in, Peter and all the disciples, they go just to kind of check it out. But of course, they stay right at the outside of Matthew's house because they won't go in. And Peter's the one in front of all of them looking in just to see what's happening. And when Jesus sees that Peter is standing there, he decides to tell the story of the prodigal son.
1: Now, The older brother, at this time, was working in the fields. And as he came back to the house, he heard the noise of music and dancing. He called for one of the servants and asked what was happening. And he was told. At this, the older brother became very angry. And he refused to go into the house. The father came out, tried to plead with him, but he wouldn't listen. I have worked for you all this time, all these years, and never once have I disobeyed you. And in all that time, you've never even given me so much as a goat so that I could have a feast with my friends. My younger brother comes back, having spent all your money on harlots. And for him, you kill the fatted calf. Please, said the father. Please, try to understand. You are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But it is right to celebrate. Your brother was dead. is alive again. He was lost and is found. Forgive me, Master. I'm I'm
0: just a stupid man. If we can forgive, if we can set down that stuff that gets in the way of our forgiveness, then our wounds can finally be healed. We can finally be healed so that we can go and we can heal others, not from our wounds, but from our scars. And so as we set down that stuff, the practice that we have an opportunity to take part in today, in addition to communion, is a practice of healing. And so I will be at the back of the Fellowship Center with healing oil uh, to give those who wish to have it the sign of the cross on their forehead. As we take part in an ancient practice that shows how it is that healing like the sheep of Psalm 23, are anointed and the cup overflows. And so as we come forward, this practice of healing is open just like the table. That wherever we are, if we are looking for healing, that healing is offered as much as this table, which is open to each and every one of us. So that in those times when we are ready to set down those things that we think give us power, They go under the table of healing, of restoration, and of forgiveness. To those who have been worshiping with us online, receive this healing. Know the healing of God and know that you are welcome home. For when we let that set aside the stuff that has not only been distracting us, but the stuff that we have been holding on to, that because we feel like we have to, because we can't forget, that God comes out and reminds us that we are welcome back in. And when we receive that healing for ourselves, those wounds turn into scars because, no, we can't forget. But we also don't have to let it define us. We don't have to let it become a part of our identity. Our identity is a child of God and a follower of Jesus Christ whose job is to say to all, you are welcome to the celebration. You are part of the kingdom. So as we set that stuff down and aside, let us go new and refreshed and resurrected to say to the world, you too can be a part of this. And may we go in God's peace, God's grace, and God's love. Amen.